Hi there, this is Patrick Belton of uh, Q Digital and InsureTechFintechRevolution.com. Today's podcast concerns data, data culture, and uh, healthy and unhealthy things are in your organization that contribute to succeeding and leveraging data. So we'll cover off a number of different uh, point areas. And a lot of this stems from different conversations I've had over the past few years with uh, leadership and managers um, and data scientists as well at a number of different organizations in different industries. And there's an, I've aggregated their comments into kind of like a seamless flow of points that I'll make in this podcast. So, I mean, you have to ask a simple question. Why does, why data culture matters at your insurance and your financial organization? And it, a key simple point to make is that organizational culture can actually accelerate the application of analytics. It's going to have the impact of amplifying its power. And then it's also going to steer your company away from risky outcomes. And so there's different principles or ideas that underpin a healthy data culture at your company. And look, revolutions, it's often been remarked in history, never go backwards. Nor do they advance at a constant rate though. And consider the immense transformation that's being unleashed by data analytics. And by now it's clear that the data revolution is changing businesses like yours and industries, not just insurance financial, in profound and unalterable ways. But these, the, but the changes that we're seeing, they're neither uniform nor are they linear. And companies' data analytics efforts are all over the map. And a lot of research suggests that the gap between leaders and laggards in adopting analytics within and among various industry sectors, not just insurance and financial, is actually growing. The disparity is growing. We're seeing the same thing, though, on the ground. Some companies are doing amazing things, and some are still struggling with just the basics, and some are feeling downright overwhelmed with executives and members of the rank-and-file employee base questioning the return on various data initiatives. For leading and lagging companies alike, the emergence of data analytics as an omnipresent reality of modern organizational life means that a healthy data culture is becoming increasingly important. With that in mind, I spent the past few years talking with analytics leaders at various companies in various countries from a wide range of industries and uh, geographies and drilling down on the organizing principles and the motivations and the approaches that undergird their data efforts. And I'm struck by the themes that recur over and over and over again, including the benefits of data and the risks of data strategies and the skepticism from employees before they actually buy in and then the excitement once they do and then the need for flexibility and the insistence on common framework and tools and especially the competitive advantage that's unleashed by a culture that brings data talent and tools and decision-making together. 
and the experiences of, of these companies, uh, both in the financial and the insurance world and outside of it, suggests that you can import, suggests that you can't import data culture and you can't impose it. And most of all, you can't segregate it. You, you develop a data culture by moving beyond specialist and skunk works types of people with the goal of achieving deeper business engagement, creating employee pull, and cultivating a sense of purpose so that data can support your operations instead of the other way around. And this podcast will go over through and present some of the most um, fundamental, obvious takeaways from conversations I've had with executives, both in the financial world and outside it, um, especially ones who are at the forefront of data culture development in their companies. And none of these leaders think that they've got data culture solved that I've spoken to in the past few years. But and they also don't think there's a finish line ever in sight. But they did convey overall um, a palpable sense of momentum. And when you make progress on data culture, then you strengthen the nuts and bolts of your analytics enterprise at your company. And doing so, that will not only advance your data revolution at your firm even further, but it's going to help you avoid the pitfalls that often trip up analytics efforts. So some of the takeaways that we'll, we'll describe in the rest of this podcast, I'll highlight some red flags as well. So it'll be the positive, the negative side of different things. And often firms do get in trouble. Um, and some of the rapid responses uh, have to be in place to mitigate the trouble that comes up with some data missteps. But I hope overall that some of the ideas that I present here will, will encourage you to build a data culture that clarifies the purpose and enhances the effectiveness and increases the speed of your analytics at your analytics efforts at your company. So the first area to cover off is data culture is your decision culture. And that's a fundamental reason why you embrace data to make better decisions, to improve your decision-making process and to have a more inclusive decision-making process. And the takeaway here is that don't approach data analysis as a cool science experiment or an exercise in amassing data for data's sake. The fundamental objective in collecting, analyzing, and deploying data is to make better decisions. The best advice I have for senior leadership is trying to trying to develop and implement a data culture is to stay true to the business problem you're trying to solve. What is it and how can you solve it? If you simply rely on having huge quantities of data in something like a data ocean or data lake or however you want to describe it, you're just kidding yourself. Volume is not a viable data strategy. The most important objective is to find those business problems and then dedicate your data management efforts towards those specific problems. Solving business problems must be a part of your data strategy. The inclination sometimes 
when people have lots of data is to say, okay, I have lots of data and this must mean something, right? What can I extract from this data? What kind of insults? What kind of, pardon, insults? What kind of insights? What does it mean? But I'm personally completely against that type of mindset. There is no shortage of data and there's even more data coming in all the time. So focus on the outcomes and the business objectives. Say, okay, for this outcome, first let's look at the landscape of data and what kind of analytics and what kind of insights we need. Then act on it rapidly and deliver that back to your employee team or to the customer. This is the digital feedback loop. Use the insights, ideas, and innovation generated by your team or your customer as an accelerator for improving the capability and product and service that you already have. It's not about the data itself all the time. It's not just about the analytics. Any more than, say, taking a vitamin is only so you can claim you successfully took a pill every morning. When it comes to analytics, you have to keep in mind that end goal is to help make better decisions more often. And what you try to do first and foremost is look at places where people are already making decisions. You review the processes they use and you try to identify either the gaps in the available data or the amount of time and effort it takes to, to procure data necessary to make an evaluation, an insight or a decision. Sometimes you simply start by attempting to remove the friction from existing processes. And look, how, how are you going to capture the information and develop models that are going to help your decision makers, whether it's just a middle management person or uh, somebody who's at the director level or someone who runs a branch or someone who's doing business development, how are you going to provide them with the information that they need to do a better job? So another key area is the executive leadership team and data culture, and even to uh, some extent at some larger firms, the, the board itself. The commitment, ultimately, the commitment from the chief executive officer and the president um, and for larger firms, the board of directors is essential. Their commitment to data culture is essential. But that commitment must be manifested by more than just occasional high-level pronouncements. There must be an ongoing informed conversation with top decision makers and those who lead data initiatives throughout the organization. You can talk about different initiatives being CEO mandated, but that only goes so far. It really does have its limits. So what you could be doing is lay out, here's what the challenges are, and here's how we're spending the funding that's been allocated, and here is the value that we're seeing, and then here is our adoption or adoption rates. But done at the CEO level, just to highlight the clarity of both investments, what's been dreamed up, what the investments are, and what the actual execution has been. A red flag in, in terms of the executive team and data culture is when the executive team lacks a clear vision for all of its advanced analytics programs. 
in my experience, this lack of, of uh, executive vision often stems from the executives and leadership team lacking a solid understanding of the difference between traditional analytics, which is, and that's actually traditional analytics would be business intelligence and reporting, standard things of being, being around the industry for, for decades. Contrast that with advanced analytics, which is powerful, predictive, and prescriptive tools such as machine learning uh, or artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, and to illustrate this, there was one uh, company that had built a centralized capability in advanced analytics with a substantial investment in data scientists and data engineers and other key digital roles spinning off of that. And the chief executive officer regularly mentioned that the company was using AI techniques, but never with any specificity. And in practice, this company ran a lot of pilot artificial intelligence related programs, but not a single one was adopted by the business at scale. The fundamental reason for this failure was top management, not just the CEO, but the other top management leaders. They would often talk about these data initiatives, um, but they actually didn't understand them. So just like any other important matters at your organization, you need the backing on data of your leadership and at some firms, the board of directors. Look, data has existed obviously for a long time in the financial industries. And, but of course, at the same time, in a lot of ways, it's a relatively new area because, and that's partly because of the ecosystem economy and emerging technology. So a clear understanding amongst the leadership team and sometimes the board is the starting point for everything. They have to be educated about this stuff. They cannot be willfully ignorant. So provide your leadership at your, at your firm with educational sessions. Um, have the leadership ask questions and create an environment that further deepens their understanding. It sounds obvious, but so many firms don't do this. Senior management needs to realize that data is the lifeblood of their organization, of your company. It's not just financial services. And as more and more people digitize all that they do, it all comes down to having transparency and access to that data in a way that's going to deliver value. Senior leadership needs to promote transparency on every level throughout your company, whether it's the budget, what you're spending your time on, or your project inventory, um, or your project process. Transparency is paramount. Too many leaders at insurance and financial firms really don't grasp the concept of advanced analytics. They're familiar with the traditional, but not advanced. They often struggle to define valuable problems for their analytics teams to solve, and they fail to invest in building the right skills. As a result, they fail to get traction with their machine learning and their AI pilots programs. And the analytics teams that they often assemble, weren't working on the right problems and weren't able to use the latest tools and techniques. So you often see companies halting these types of initiatives months or even a year or so 
uh, after they were started simply because of skepticism growing in the firm. So whichever leader at your company is tasks is tasked with leading the company's analytics initiatives. They should set this person should set up a series of workshops for the executive team and other leadership members in your firm to coach the members in key tenets of advanced analytics and to undo any lingering misconceptions of what this is. And these workshops can form the foundation of sort of like in-house academies in a sense, and that these things are continually teaching key analytics concepts to your management audience at your company. Another area that's, that's key around data culture is what you often hear in society now is the democratization of data itself. And really a fundamental takeaway here is that get data in front of people and they get excited. That's often true nowadays. But building cool, sexy experiments or imposing tools top down doesn't cut it. To create a competitive advantage, stimulate demand for data from the grassroots at your company. Data culture has to be part of your value system. Ultimately, everyone in your organization has to adopt a mindset of data culture, but this does not happen overnight. Creating a cross-cutting data set across your organization is key for your success. A red flag though is that analytics capabilities can often be isolated from the business. And this is resulting in an ineffective analytics organizational structure at, at many companies. You know, it's, I've observed that organizations with successful analytics initiatives embed analytics capabilities into their core businesses. Sounds obvious, but it's often not done. And those organizations struggling to create value through analytics tend to develop analytics capabilities in isolation, either centralized and far removed from the business or in sporadic pockets of poorly coordinated silos. Neither organizational model is effective. Over-centralization creates bottlenecks and leads to a lack of business buy-in and decentralization brings with it the risk of different data models that don't connect. A definite red flag that these types of organizational models is not working. Let me restate that thought. Another red flag is that's not working is the complaint from some data scientists I've spoken to that their work has little or no impact and that the business, the firm they're working at, just keeps doing what it has been doing. The executives, and this is because the executive leadership were not keeping an ear to the ground for those types of complaints. So another red flag is don't give information just to make a better product. You have to, having this dreamy philosophy of just gathering information and thinking it's magically gonna do something, 
you know, it's, it's kind of, well, just call it a dream philosophy. There are some companies where that's been inculcated and, and that infuses all of their data analysis efforts where it's this notion where if you just build it, something cool is going to come inevitably out of it. But the reality is that never works. You have to figure out how to really democratize the data analytics capability, which means you have to have a platform through which people can easily access the data in an organized, targeted fashion. It helps people then to believe in it and to deliver solutions that don't require inexpensive data scientists. When your people begin to believe in the data, then it's a game changer at your company. They begin then to change their behaviors. And it's based on a new understanding of all like the richness that's trapped beneath the surface of your systems and your processes at your company. The data has to flow across your organization seamlessly. And now that your data is democratized, if you get to that point, then thousands of people at your company or hundreds, depending on the size, can access that data for their daily work and understand it and apply it. And then you'll see a lot more energy in your firm. You'll see a lot of oxygen perforating throughout the organization and a lot of excitement about what is possible and that in the resulting innovation that's possible. And because data applied to a business problem creates innovation, that's the key, key thing. Your people then will have the ability to act on their innovative ideas and create value. So the executive suite should consider perhaps to accomplish this, something like a more of a hybrid organizational model in which agile teams combine talented professionals from both the business side and the analytics side. This hybrid model will retain some centralized capabilities and decision rights, particularly around data governance and other standards, but the analytics teams are still embedded in the business and accountable for delivering impact. For many companies, the degree of centralization may change over time. Early in a company's analytics journey, it might make sense to work more centrally since it's easier to build and run a central team and ensure the quality of the team's outputs. But over time, as the business becomes more proficient, it may be possible for the the, the center to step back to more, of a, to more of a facilitation role, allowing the businesses more autonomy. Another area to cover off is data culture and risk. And the, the, the main takeaway here is an effective data culture puts risk at its core. So there's a yin and a yang of your value proposition. And although companies must identify their red lines and then honor those red lines, risk management should operate as a smart accelerator by introducing analytics into your key processes and interactions in a responsible manner. And a red flag is that no one at your company would be intensely focused on identifying potential ethical, social, and regulatory implications of any of your analytics initiatives. It is important to be able to anticipate how digital use cases will acquire and consume data and to understand whether there are any compromises to the regulatory requirements or any ethical issues in general. 
you know, there's one large firm that I'm aware of uh, that had run afoul of regulators. And it's because it had developed an algorithm to predict employee absenteeism. The company meant well by this in this particular case. It, it sought to understand the correlation between job conditions and absenteeism so that it could rethink the work processes that were apt to lead to illnesses or being absent. Unfortunately, the algorithms were able to cluster employees based on their ethnicity, the region of where they're working and living, and even the gender. And even though such data fields were switched off, it flagged correlations between race and absenteeism. So it's an example. There's the risk of getting, and another thing beyond that, is just simply the risk of getting analytics wrong. So you should have people monitoring to make sure that the numbers make sense. You should build alerts into place. And sometimes, look, the data goes south. I've seen that happen, and nobody realizes it in real time. You know, a takeaway is that working with data, particularly personnel data at your company, introduces a host of risks from algorithmic bias, um, so su significant supervision, risk management, and mitigation efforts are therefore requ required to apply the appropriate, appropriate human judgment to the analytics area at your company. And if you don't have a solid foundation at your firm, look, you can't use the data. If you have a solid foundation but are not using the data creatively, you're not growing. So the mixing of these two is a key challenge for your entire company. You have to combine both. That's the bottom line. And every company has constraints, obviously. Like even the Silicon Valley type companies have a lot of constraints. And clearly in the financial and insurance industry, constraints are the regulation part of your business. You have to comply with a lot of rules and regulations uh, across the different jurisdictions that you operate in. And if you're a global company in the insurance financial world, that becomes inherently more complex. But failing fast and cheap doesn't mean making bad decisions. It means complying with the constraints that you have and learning how do you go faster? How do you test things faster? And then implementing the decisions properly. So I think it's really all about the culture of using data, experimenting, building things, doing all of that as fast as you can and delivering that to the front line of your company. But of course, doing so using the right mechanisms. In another area is about, you know, is that data culture can be a catalyst at your organization. And the takeaway here is that your leadership need to raise a clarion call of data culture at your firm. And the people on your front lines need to take up this call. But to really ensure buy-in, someone's got to lead the charge at the end of the day. And that requires people who can bridge both worlds though, data science world and on the ground operations world. And usually the most effective change agents are not digital natives. The most effective model is converting 
indigenous people, solo insurance or financial people who are at your company and creating leaders that are then preaching to their own people. So you can talk about a CEO mandated type of data thing at your company, but that only goes so far. People work, breathe their business every day. Nobody knows it as well as they do at your mid-level and low-level employee level. So having somebody who can interface with all of their peers throughout the data process, who's from the world and of the world. So this is not a data scientist. This is somebody from your operations side who is able to bridge themselves into the data world. This person can act as an op interpreter of sorts for data initiatives at your company. So if you're building a set of algorithms, which are largely machine learning driven, which would be the case for most firms today, and this would have a lot of different features that prove to be fairly accurate. You can surface those into a tool, but if you have this, this one person who comes who can act like an evangelist on the data team, they can encourage the rest of your organization to adopt everything that arises out of the particular data related project. He can, that person, he or she, can also train and inform other people how to use it. And then they'll bring feedback back into your data team and back to your leadership group. And this helps uh, different people uh, involved take ownership. So another area, second last one I'll cover off is sharing data uh, beyond the confines of your company. You gotta be careful with this. Sometimes it's necessary, especially in the ecosystem economy, but you have to be prudent how you act. So don't go so fast with it. Give it proper consideration. And the takeaway here is there's so much buzz about this, this shift to the ecosystem economy with the assumption that far greater value will be delivered to your customers by assembling a breadth of the best data and analytics assets that are available in the market rather than by creating everything in-house. But data leaders are building cultures that see data as the crown jewel asset and data analytics is treated as both proprietary and as a source of competitive advantage in the more interconnected world in the ecosystem economy. I mean, there's one example where I saw um, at a company, uh, one of their business units that had signed a contract with a data, a third party data vendor firm to do some marketing analytics work. <laughs> this is a fascinating case because number one, there was nothing in the contract that said that the vendor, the data vendor doing the marketing analytics work, had to give back any of the transformed or rich data. So while there's a lot of work that got done and to go and do, the, 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 the insurance organization had provided the data in the first place to this analytics firm and did not get any of the rich data back. So the, the disconcerting thing here, another one, is that the most is that the contract that was written in order to do this gave the data marketing analytics vendor company, the third party company, it gave it the right to keep that data and use that data in their syndicated sources for developing other products. Now, look, I don't blame the, the vendor for this. If I could get away with that contract, I would write it that way too. But the the insurance financial organization, the people responsible for signing it completely uh, overlooked that. 
And I think the last area we'll cover off is just simply marrying the talent that you hire at your company with your data culture. And the takeaway here is that, look, the competition for data talent is unrelenting. But there's also another element at play, integrating the right talent for your data culture. That calls for striking the appropriate balance for your company between injecting new employees and transforming existing employees. Take a broader view in sourcing and a sharper look at the scales that your data, uh, the skills that your data team require. And defining roles is a first important step in sourcing and integrating the right talent for your data culture. And there's some obvious areas that you can look at of business, business skills that are required as part of that team. Well, there's, first of all, is the business leaders with technology skills. Um, and business leaders lead the analytics transformation across your organization. Then there's also the delivery managers. They also have analytics skills. And delivery managers deliver data and analytics-driven insights and interface with the end users or customers. Then there's the workflow integrators who have an analytics skill set. And workflow integrators build interactive decision support tools and implement the solutions. And then there's the visualization analysts. That's an analytics skill set as well. And visualization analysts visualize the data and build reports in the, in the dashboards. And then of course we have the data engineers who collect structure and analyze data. And then there's the data architects who ensure the quality and the consistency of present and future data flows and data sets. And then, we, then you're gonna have the analytics translators who ensure that analytics are solving critical business problems. And then of course there's the data scientists themselves who develop the statistical models and algorithms. And amongst all of this, when it comes down to your data, it's not about the data itself. It's not just about the analytics. Any more than taking a vitamin is only so you can claim you successfully took the vitamin pill every morning. When it comes to data analytics, you have to keep in mind the end goal is to help your company make better decisions and make better decisions more often. I've repeated that a few times and it's the key, key takeaway. If you think of the term culture itself, that's kind of like an ethereal term. Um, and if you only hire people within your insurance financial industry, you're never going to be any smarter than anybody else in your industry. And that's something that's always struck me about the insurance business because it's a common, common trap that HR, human resources people fall into at insurance financial firms. So if you're going to have a data science program at your company and have that evolve, and there's this global competition uh, for talent and the demand for talent relevant to that initiative is growing. But unfortunately, what we often see is that the skill sets that are being hired at insurance firms doesn't necessarily follow what they actually need. You have to understand the basic concepts and tools and the math that's being used for data analytics. That's true. But if you put the math aside for just a moment and focus on the ability to learn the business and manage products and interact with clients, then what you need to do is find people who can pair both those worlds together and, and then you're gonna be much more successful. So 
you have to sometimes focus on hiring non-traditional candidates and also candidates sometimes from non-traditional areas. The people who are going to succeed in this business are the ones obviously who are smart and have high integrity for sure. So you want to, to a degree, look for some subject matter expertise, yes, but you want to have people who bring different things to the table. If you have a team that's very similar in nature, you're not going to get that healthy tension that you need. You want people or somebody who's say strong with technology, but you also want somebody who's strong with business practices. And you want somebody else who's strong with risk and then also regulatory issues. And then you want people who can communicate effectively, both in like it's not about the data itself, it's not just about the analytics. Um, you know, they have to be able to communicate with breadth about the subject and the data efforts at your firm. So the end goal, of course, with analytics and data culture is to keep in mind you want to make better decisions more often. And when you staff your teams, you want to make sure that you have a healthy tension that makes for a good team. And the culture, the data culture, can be a compounding problem or can become a compounding solution at your company. When an organization's data mission becomes detached from its business strategy and core operations, which I often see, it should come no, as no surprise that the results of the analytics initiatives may fail to meet any expectations at your company. But when excitement about data analytics infuses the entire organization, it becomes a source of energy and momentum. And the technology, after all, really, it's amazing. So imagine how far you can go with a culture that matches your efforts and your dreams and aspirations at your company. That's it for today. It's Patrick Belton of uh, InsureTechFintechRevolution.com and QDigital.